Hello and welcome to Conference in Review. I am Dana. And I am Derek. Today we are going to study the talk by Elder Ronald Rasband, To Heal the World. And that is the title of the talk, but um, the theme of this talk is religious freedom. Yeah. I thought this would be very appropriate to celebrate religious freedom in this country and the importance of it throughout the world, especially this time of year as we study, as we celebrate the independence of the United States of America, which was kind of a leader in religious freedom throughout the world. Yeah, and we're doing this on the 3rd of July. Tomorrow's the 4th. And he starts out talking about all the crazy stuff that's happening. There's fires and tempests and wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, diverse places and plagues and famines and pestilence happening all over in in so many nations. And then he says, there's another scourge sweeping the globe, and it's the attack on our religious freedom. Gosh, I could probably just read this talk to you, because Elder Rasban just says it great the way it is. This growing sentiment seeks to remove religion and faith in God from public square, schools, community standards, and civic discourse. Opponents of religion religious freedom seek to impose restrictions on expressions of heartfelt convictions. They even criticize and ridicule faith traditions. Yeah. And a lot of times people do this and I don't even think they realize they're doing it. I had uh, someone I care about very much who just off the cuff made some, some little joke about having a lot of kids. Oh yeah. People are going to think you're LDS or something dumb like that. And I don't even think he realized how offensive he's being. Sometimes he does, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, being respectful is part of of that religious freedom. And he he asks, what is religious freedom? He says, it is freedom of worship in all its configurations. Freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom to act on personal beliefs. Freedom for others to do the same. Religious freedom allows each of us to decide... For ourselves, what we believe, how we live, and act according to our faith and what God expects us. And of course, this, you know, the Ku Klux Klan is an example of a religion that (laughs) would not be allowed because it's infringing on the rights of others. You're Mm -hmm. basically trying to stamp someone out. Nazism, you know, the way they were using it and i don't know that that's a religion but it was stamping out the jews obviously freedom of religion allows all to have that freedom and not to try and stamp someone else out mm-hmm. i am going to refer a lot to the gospel topics of the if you go to the gospel library gospel topics religious freedom and i'll put a, a link on the on our podcast too There's a quote in here where it says, Religious freedom is not absolute. Limits on religious activities are appropriate where necessary to protect compelling interests, such as the life, property, health, or safety of others. So we go back Ku Klux Klan or or some some forms of, I don't know, uh, religions that, that require maybe a human sacrifice. That would be... If you if you practice an ancient Aztec religion, that is going to have a limit because if it, it that obviously if you're familiar with the Aztec religion, there there was a conflict. If you're 
not from the Western continent. You may not know the history of this is Mexico when the the Catholic Spanish explorers got to Mexico and they saw their religion and how they were sacrificing people to their gods to keep harvest and things going good and they were appalled and so they uh, lots of horrible things happen and nowadays there are more people who worship Catholicism than the Aztec religion there that that's what they mean by there needs to be limits on that religious activity but such limitations should be truly necessary uh sorry let me the kids are outside blowing up fireworks across the street and I'm getting distracted. (laughs) Such limitations should be truly necessary rather than an excuse for abridging religious freedom. And we see a lot of that, at least in this country, but I've heard about it in other countries as well, where they will limit it and make excuse about it, harming other people just to keep it out of the public discourse. Yeah, he... He goes to talk about the church and when the church started, those that joined the church suffered because the the members were persecuted. There's opposition, there's violence, and being a member of the church was, we, although the goal was freedom of speech in the United States, the, the members didn't have that. And they were, well... If you remember, you know the history of the church and Hans Mill and and many of those events that happened in the church had to keep moving because they didn't have the freedom to to have their religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we get to see who's listening to our podcast when we get our weekly review thing that says how many downloads we had. And it's interesting to see who's listening to us who are not from the North America. So I don't know how familiar are you with, with American history, but the some of the first settlers up in New England, they weren't the first, but they were um, some of the first settlers. They came here because they did not want to follow the Church of England. They had their own religion, and they went up to the Netherlands and they were going to live up there, but they thought it was too worldly there. So they got a ship and they came over to America and they ended up in Massachusetts. And you might have heard of Plymouth Rock. It's our tradition of Thanksgiving here in the United States. And they were fleeing because they wanted the freedom to worship how they wanted. Our country, now as you know, this is before Joseph Smith by a good 200 years. And even then when everybody's t- the same and someone else is doing something different, that pers- makes them uncomfortable and there's persecution. It goes both ways because an attitude of when you ridicule someone's traditions in faith or lack of it, so such an attitude marginalizes people, devaluing personal principles, fairness, respect, spirituality, and peace of conscience. And that was back a bit, but I wanted to put that in here. Okay, so after the talk about... So then he talks about uh, the opposition that the church, um, Joseph Smith, during this, he wrote 13 Fundamentals of the Church, and one of them 
has specifically to do this, and it's the 11th article of faith. Yeah. It says, We claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience, and allow all men the same privilege, let them worship how, where, or what they may. His statement is inclusive, liberating, and respectful. That is the essence of religious freedom. So that's one of the articles of faith and that we try to live by. Yes. Um, back to gospel topics. Latter-day Saints believe in defending religious freedom of others just as readily as their own. Now, was that in this talk where he does that quote from Joseph Smith about dying for a Presbyterian? Yeah, that's what's next. Okay. So he says, as going along with that article of faith, he says, I am bold to declare before heaven that I am just as ready to die in defending the rights of a Presbyterian, a Baptist, or a good man of any denomination, for the same principle which would trample upon the rights of the saints would trample upon the rights of the Roman Catholics, or of any other denomination who may be unpopular and too weak to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. It is a love of liberty that inspires my soul, civil and religious liberty to the whole of the human race. You may be interested to know that in the city of Nauvoo, where the saints lived before coming to Salt Lake City, they codified this sentiment into their ordinance. It said, Be it ordained by the city council of the city of Nauvoo that the Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, Latter-day Saints, Quakers, Episcopalians, Universalists, Unitarians, Mohammedans, Muslims, and all other religions, religious sects and denominations, whatever shall be free, have free toleration and equal privileges in this city. And those were all the religions they knew of. Where was that? This is um, this is actually in the religious freedom gospel topics, oh. and that was in the Nauvoo city in a Nauvoo city ordinance guaranteeing tolerance mm, for all faiths. That was in Nauvoo. Okay. Yes, that that was pretty fascinating. It's interesting to know later on that they don't use the word Mohammedan anymore because they uh, found out that Muslims find that insulting. Be calling it be like calling us Josephites, worshiping Joseph Smith, which we don't include. Like you said, this statement of our 11th article of faith of worshiping how you, you choose is inclusive, liberating, and respectful. That is the essence of religious freedom. Yeah, so he talks about some of the, the things that happened to members of the church uh, back in those times and how persecuted they were. But the church has continued to grow to nearly 17 million members with more than half outside of the United States. And they just celebrated their 200th anniversary of the restoration of the of the gospel. And the first president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles proclaimed, we solemnly proclaim that God loves his children and in every nation of the world. And then President Nelson said, We believe in freedom, kindness, and fairness for all of God's children. We are all brothers and sisters, each one a child of a loving Father in heaven. His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, invites all to come to him, black and white, bond and free, male and female. Now, you may know of places where you live where you say, well, the Latter-day Saints weren't nice to me, and I was a different religion. And that may be true. Um, I think we need to remember that 
we are all human and we're trying to, to live greater. And that's why these talks are given to help remind us as saints to live what we are, what we believe. Okay, so he goes on to the four ways that society and individuals benefit from religious freedom. So number one. Yeah, religious freedom honors the first and second great commandments, which are, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now Jared Havison always refers to it as your vertical and your horizontal. Right, you have your your vertical is straight up with God, so that's important. Your horizontal is everybody at your level, which mm-hmm. is your and so <laughs> he he talks about that all the time. You got to take care of your vertical and your horizontal. Your vertical is with God, who's above. Your horizontal is everybody that you're you're on earth with, and so. And as um, one of the brethren said in a talk once. There's an implied third commandment that you must love yourself. Yes. So when you love your neighbor as thyself, I have often known people who use the excuse to be unkind to others or to think unkindly by saying, well, it's because I don't think very much of myself. That's because there's the implied, you need to love yourself as well. So they're really breaking the second commandment. (laughs) Yes. At least love yourself, right? Yeah. And you need to love (laughs) everyone as thyself. You should... Yeah. Okay. Whether in a chapel, a synagogue, mosque, tin-roofed hut, Christ's disciples and all like-minded believers can express devotion to God by worship of him and willingness to serve his children. He he went out of his way in many instances to pick people who were not the normal religious person. They were... Uh, People, the the least likely, the the woman at the well, the you know, there's just so many examples of of people that were not who you would expect the Lord to pick. He could see their heart, and mm-hmm. yeah, like Matthew the publican. Yes. Second, religious freedom fosters expressions of belief, hope, and peace. Uh, I really like what he says here. As a church, we join with other religions protecting people of all faiths and persuasions and their right to speak their convictions. This does not mean that we accept their beliefs, nor they ours, but we have more in common than we have with those who desire to silence us. We saw a documentary, do you remember this, Derek, where someone, he was an LDS person, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and when you go up to the conference, you go to general conference, there would often be protesters out there. And he wanted to see if he could come, become friends with someone there. And he tried it. And one of the, and he did with one of the guys who was, and it was funny because later on he goes, yeah, I think his kids think of me as the crazy uncle. So when you break down those beliefs, they find they have more in common than don't. Uh, there was another person who, said no I can't be friends with you and no matter what he did he would not he would not come to find common ground with him yeah he talked about an interesting experience that he had he spoke uh, where did he speak it was at the G20 interfaith forum in Italy he said he was this is the one where he goes to give a talk and at the end he's thinking well nobody else closed with anything religion or faith 
or in the name of God, do I just say thank you and sit down? And I was like, well, wait a second. I am Ronald Rasban, a, a, a apostle in this church or a member of the church of Jesus Christ. He remembered who he was. And so he closed in the name of Jesus Christ. And he realized that by doing so, he gave, it was his opportunity to express his belief. Bear his witness. Yeah, to bear his witness and that he had the religious freedom to to do that. Yeah. And then the third one is uh, religion inspires people to help each other. When you truly believe in the freedom of speech, you allow others to, to worship how they, they may and, and not try and tear everyone down but lift them up and find your the common beliefs that you have. He says the ancient Jewish phrase, Tikkun Olam, meaning to repair or heal the world, is being reflected today in the efforts of so many. We have partnered with the Catholic Charities, known as Caritas Internationalis, Islamic Relief, and any number of Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, Sikh, did I say it's Sikh? Sikh. It's Sikh, that's Sikh. right. Sikh. And Christian organizations like the Salvation Army and the National Christian Foundation. Together we serve millions in need. So rather than turn each other down, you support one another and, and you have synergy, which is one of the principles of... of who's the the seven habits so, of... Yeah, seven habits. When you combine, you t- multiply your efforts. No question people of faith working together can make significant interventions. At the same time, one-on-one surface is often unheralded, but quietly changes lives. I think of, we were talking about a talk. Oh gosh, it was given in one of the women's conferences where she was talking about a lady who was just feeling really bad for some reason. And just someone said, well, what would make you feel better? You know what? I just wish I had a loaf of homemade bread and someone showed up at her door like within the hour with a loaf of homemade bread. So, you know, I felt prompted. I was making this and I felt prompted that I should bring this. And it wasn't someone she knew well. It was kind of a friend of a friend. And I think those are the service when you act on something of thinking, you know, I think I, I need, I want to bring over, you're making cookies. I need to bring some of these over to sister so-and-so. Just kind things that, and not worrying about, oh, they're going to think I'm weird. You don't let them think you're weird. If they throw your cookies in the trash, then you did you did the right thing. And you know what? If someone's throwing your cookies in the trash, they're crazy. <laughs> Unless they taste bad. Unless they taste bad. <laughs> Surely you know that before you send it over. Yeah, but. Hopefully you're tasting your own food. Yeah. Okay. That's the whole reason I cook is so I can taste my own food. <laughs> Okay, he gives the example in Luke where Jesus Jesus Christ reached out to the widow of Nain. He's accompanied by a group of followers, and they come upon a burial procession, and it's the widow's only son. Without him, she's facing emotional, spiritual, and even financial ruin. Jesus, Jesus seeing her face and how sad she is he says weep not and he touched the bear carrying the the beer beer yeah carrying the body and the procession halted he says young man i say unto thee arise and he that was dead sat up and began to speak 
Jesus delivered him to his mother. He says that was a miracle, but every act of kindness and concern for someone struggling is the covenant way each of us can also go about doing good. I was thinking of how, when you just said that, how you do what you can. Jesus happened to have the power over life and death so he could raise them from the dead. Uh, maybe you have a lot of money and you can help someone's do something really grand and maybe you're just not so well off but you know how to cook some bread and, and show some kindness to someone who maybe needs um, some love. Well, I think of Talmadge. Uh, what's his James first? E. Talmadge. James E. Talmadge. The story of the family, and I don't think they were members, but they came down with something that was it was life-threatening, and the parents and the kids all had it, and he went over and uh, cleaned up their house and took care of them, and it was life-threatening, and spent a couple of days at their house trying to help the, that family, and it put his life in jeopardy, and he came home, and he had to quarantine himself while he got sick from it for a couple of days so his family wouldn't get it, and I thought, man... That is Christ-like love yes. for someone else. Fourth, freedom of religion acts as a unifying and rallying force for shaping values and morality. Now, he goes in, and this seems to go with the Come Follow Me we were studying about how, and I say this, Come Follow Me, all of, all of Book of Mormon, all of Scripture. When a prophet tells, a prophet is not going to tell you easy things to do. The prophet tells you hard things. And yet people, they they say like his, his people saying from his doctrine, turning away from him, this is a hard thing. Who can hear it? And yet there's another in the, the Book of Mormon where he says, yeah, if a prophet comes to you and he says something easy, oh, you'll follow him and say, oh, yes, and you'll raise him up. But if he tells you hard things, you'll scourge him and kill him. That is in the Book of Mormon, isn't it? Am I thinking of that right? Um, yes, that there is something like that. I was thinking of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Oh, yeah. When Jeroboam was trying to be, Rehoboam was being overly strict and Jeroboam was being overly nice and allowing them, you know, he he made idols and, and new priests and made it really easy on them. And they were both not in that Goldilocks zone, mm-hmm. as he refers to it. They're both outside of that. But people, I don't know if it's in this talk, but somebody was asking President Hinckley why why people want to be members of the church if it's so hard. And it's because they they want to be better. You know, they want to improve who they are. Yeah. If they're truly looking to change they don't they don't want it they want to be pushed they want to be better they want to improve and make a difference it's kind of like that warring nature within us where you think about when you're a kid and you're so excited to get out of school summer break and then you're on summer break and then you're bored if you had that so it's like you we we fight against work and yet without work we're just nothing. We're just feel like, ugh. Yeah. So down here, he asks a bunch of questions, this whole paragraph. Yeah. 
If religion is not there to help with shaping character and mediating hard times, who will be? Who will teach honesty, gratitude, forgiveness, and patience? Who will exhibit charity, compassion, and kindness for the forgotten and the downtrodden? Who will embrace those who are different yet deserving as are all of God's children? Who will open their arms to those in need and seek no recompense? Who will reverence peace and obedience to laws greater than the trends of the day? Who will respond to the Savior's plea, go and do thou likewise? And of course he answers, who's going to do it? We will. Yes, brothers and sisters, we will. Yeah. And he invites us all to champion this cause. And I think living as we do in the United States where it's been something that's been here, we take it for granted. Unless you're one of the people getting persecuted against, you take it for granted until somebody starts doing something to trample on it. But we need to be vigilant about this because religious freedom does bring balance to competing philosophies. Yeah, the good of religion, its reach, its daily acts of love, which religion inspires only multiply when we protect the freedom to express and act upon uh, on core beliefs. says, I witness that Russell Nelson is God's living prophet. Testify that Jesus Christ leads and guides this church. He atoned for our sins and crucified, was crucified on the cross and was resurrected on the third day. He, he says, these truths I proclaim to all the world. I am grateful for the freedom to do so. And closes in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, before we end here, I do want to point out something from this religious freedom gospel topics. So if you live where the law constrains religious freedom, Latter-day Saints believe in obeying the law while seeking protection for their fundamental rights through such lawful means as may be available in each jurisdiction or country. Yeah, we had some friends who lived in Saudi Arabia, and I also knew someone who was in our ward who's I think their daughter lived in Saudi Arabia, too. And it's interesting how they don't have the same... There are constraints on your religious freedom. And so there are... You obey the law, and you do what you can to protect those rights and try to live within the rules you have. And they have some interesting rules there that are are odd to us, but it's what you do. So I'm going to... We're going to be... you have anything else to add, Derek? Okay. So before we end, let me pull up the talks for next week. Next week, we are studying two talks. They are by Reina Alberto and Hugo E. Martinez. And we're excited for that. I'm not great about posting on social media. I try to be. I'm so sorry. But to but to be fair, nobody ever comments on anything. Mm-hmm. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, comment. Uh, we'd love to hear feedback. And that being said, follow the prophet.